What's up my self-improvement friends? It's Brian Ford with Self-Improvement Daily. Take ownership of your personal development one tip at a time. It is time for a self-improvement sit-down. On the podcast, we usually share a two-minute, digestible, action-packed personal development tip, one for every day of the week. If you're looking for some quick education, this will help you along your personal growth journey. And be sure to check out some of those episodes if that interests you. But today, it's a self-improvement sit-down, where we take the time to understand on a deeper level some of the really important concepts in life, hear from industry leaders about their expertise and experience, and extend our learning session a little longer than normal. Let's jump to it. Self-improvement sit-down number 16 with today's guest, Heather Monahan. And we are live. Today's guest is Heather Monahan, and does she have a story for us today? Heather spent nearly 20 years in marketing, earning her way into the C-suite of a highly reputable marketing company and prestigious distinctions like being named one of the most influential women in radio in 2017. That same year, internal office politics got the best of her, her position was discontinued, and she was fired. Heather responded in the most glorious of ways. Her revival is still in progress and she has become stronger than ever. Heather has become a best-selling author of the book Confidence Creator. She's a keynote speaker and the founder of Boss in Heels. She is a competitor through and through and her mission is to show you how to own your unique strengths to achieve success. So Heather, first and foremost, thank you so much for taking the time today. Oh, thanks for having me. I'd love to start this conversation highlighting something that I didn't mention in the intro because I wanted it to be a longer conversation and something that's very near and dear to your heart and maybe perhaps most important in your life is that you are a single mother to a 12-year-old boy and you've instilled a really impressive mentality within him um, that I've gotten to learn about through some of the stories that you've told in your content. And I just kind of like to frame some of this conversation around it coming from the lens of a single mother, because that's been really powerful in some of the points that you've made. And, and one of the points um, I'd, like to, I'd like you to highlight first is that you say the best thing you can ever do for your child's confidence is exude confidence yourself. So can you talk about the role that confidence plays in a child's development and a few ways that you've been able to create that within your son? Yeah, for sure. So when I got fired, you know, I live alone with my son. He was seeing, you know, he's gone through that journey with me and I was really low. My confidence was wrecked initially. And he saw that and it definitely, it, you know, a, a child wants to feel safe, just like everyone really wants to feel safe, but more so as a child, because they're not in con control of, you know, directing life and, and responsible for things. So, for him, that was a really tough time and I saw it rattle him. However, it's so interesting because I used to, I was extremely successful in corporate America from, you know, a, a position standpoint, from an income standpoint, et cetera. So it was perceived success, perceived confidence. And what I learned was I was attaching a lot of my self-worth to that title, to that role, to that paycheck. When that was removed, I had to rebuild my confidence in an authentic way. So, you know, fast forward two years to today, I'm extremely confident, but in a very grounded, different way. And my son, and I don't know how much of it has to do with me, but my son <laughs> started a new school this year. He went to middle school, right? So 
that's a huge transition and a very tough one for for most kids. However, I would say my son is thriving. I mean, his grades aren't where we want them to be necessarily. However, he has so many friends. He's doing so well, excited to go to school in the morning. You know, he's he played football. Now he's playing basketball. And he's just adapted to this entirely new environment in such a positive way that to me, those are the kinds of things that really speak to, wow, my son really it has grown into a confident young man. And that doesn't mean he wasn't being bullied, you know, a year and a half ago at school and things were not going that well. That was the case. And I just wonder how much of that has to do with what they see going on with their parents when parents struggle with confidence. Because here's the thing, and people need to understand this. No one is confident every single day. And anyone that says they are, that's BS. It's not real. So you're either not pushing yourself, you're not stretching yourself to grow, you're complacent, which if that's the case, that's not a great role model either in my book. But you know, we're either going to struggle with our confidence in relationships, at the gym, in business, or just in life. And that's okay. You know, and I've communicated that to my son along the way. And I've also talked to him about the things that we can do to pick our confidence back up when it does hit low moments. Yeah, I mean, that's I, that's such a good point with um, just stating that confidence, uh, it varies, you know, like, you know, some people project a certain way and some people perceive confidence a certain way. And the reality is that each one of us has our own individual expression of confidence and perception of confidence. So it's like such a two-way street that you really need to own your own understanding of confidence. Um, and, and something that kind of ties into that, uh, just kind of owning confidence, is is that you have this expression, which is every moment you're either creating confidence or chipping away at it. And that's kind of, that goes back into like, you know, every day isn't sunshine and rainbows, but you have the decision to either pump yourself up or kind of let yourself fall down. Um, you mind elaborating a little bit about the kind of the the role that confidence plays in terms of either it's a yes and adding to your life or no and taking away from your life and some things that you can do maybe that you've also encouraged within your son that contribute to that thought? Yeah. So when I was writing my book, that one of the first action steps I took after getting fired was to begin writing my book. And when I wrote my book, I had this realization and an epiphany that, wow, you really get that choice every day in any situation. You're either creating confidence or chipping away at it. And I realized that when I reflected back on my time in corporate America and how many times my inner voice would speak to me and say, Heather, stand up for this or Heather, say this. And I wouldn't respond. So in, in those moments when your inner voice is speaking to you to do something and you don't take action, you are very quietly and very slowly chipping away at your confidence. I didn't know that. I was not aware of that at the time. In reflection, I learned that. And so that drives me now today to when my inner voice speaks up, I take action immediately. Mm -hmm. And every time I do, it doesn't mean that I know it's going to go great. I have no idea, right? I just know that the more I trust myself, the more I take action when my inner voice speaks, the stronger and more confident I become. And the more I'm directed to the place I'm ultimately supposed to be. Again, it doesn't mean that there aren't countless falls and fails along the way. That's irrelevant. It's about making that choice to either create confidence or chip away at it. And I really look at decisions now in that very simplified way. It makes life so much easier. And here's a, you know, just a basic example. 
if you're a guy that likes a girl and you're at Starbucks and you see her and your inner voice says, walk up to her right now and say hello, and you don't do it, you think, oh, well, you can make excuses. You're in a rush or whatever. Inside, all you're doing is beginning to chip away slowly at your confidence and just become a lesser, smaller version of yourself. So Hmm. the next time you hear that inner voice, take action. And I do have conversations with my son about that. What does your inside tell you when you were in that situation? You didn't really like that person, did you? No, I, no, I didn't. Okay. So, you know, if your insides are telling you, Hmm, I don't think I like being around this person. Is that someone you should be spending time with? I don't think you should. You know, when we talk about it, if you're not feeling great in that situation, it's for a reason and we need to trust ourselves and act on that. That's so interesting that even your vocabulary changed when you're talking about something that you would say to be able to communicate to your son a certain point, you know, what does your inside feel like? You know, that's just, that's not a normal term, but like, it's, it's, it just goes to show that kind of the way that you can communicate or encourage confidence is really unique on a person to person basis. And it needs to kind of fit the setting and context of that conversation that you're having. So I love how you even just like so subtly mentioned that because that really is kind of a powerful point that you just have built into this. And, and other things I want to kind of understand, you know, talking about, sure, every day isn't perfect. And some days you have more confidence than others. But that means that there's kind of a baseline to your confidence that you can try and sustain. You can call it a habit, a routine, um, whatever you would like to call it. But in terms of like some of those things that you can do on a daily basis to, I don't know, convince yourself that you're more confident or to, again, contribute to your overall confidence. What are some of those? And I know that you talk about confident messaging and kind of seven times a day, you know, exposure therapy almost, but like kind of what's that full package of exercises and tactics that people can use to be like, okay, like I'm going to pump myself up today. Here are some things. Oh my gosh. There's, there's so many, I, we don't have enough time to get into it, but that's why, that's why I wrote my book. But I'll tell you, you know, just a couple of very simple examples anyone can do. Number one, practice gratitude. It's so bizarre that to me, I had no idea the impact gratitude would have on me or on my son. When my son was getting bullied at school, I, I forced a gratitude practice on him every morning on the way to school. Let's talk about three things we're feeling grateful for today. And as we took on that discipline. And I took that discipline on when I got fired and I was really low. And when you're really low, you might not want to practice gratitude, right? It might be hard because you're pissed off at the world. But when you force yourself to do it and you create a habit, wow, that paradigm shift, you just start vibrating at a higher level, attracting more positivity to you, right? So a gratitude practice is huge. Firing your villain is massive. For so long in corporate America, things didn't come easy to me. And I truly believe it was because I was surrounded by people trying to hold me back, especially one individual trying to sabotage me continuously. And when you're surrounded by negative people who are trying to hurt you, you will never really reach a confident version of yourself where things are just happening that are great and positive. You're I was constantly working hard to make things happen, but it it wasn't, things didn't come together the way they do now for me. And I believe that's because I removed a negative person from my life and everyone has someone in their life that is a villain. And that person might be a family member. It could be a coworker. It could be your boss. It could be your spouse. You know, I've heard from a lot of people, but sometimes I hear from people that that negative person is themselves. Hmm. And that they have to rewire and rewrite what they're saying to themselves. And I have a lot of empathy for that. In my early 20s, I was that same person. I, I was in college or right after college. And I started realizing I'm the one saying to myself, 
why the hell did you do that? Jeez, Heather, again? And I remember my shrink saying to me, Heather, you were beating yourself up. I, I'm so sad to hear you speak to yourself that way. And I said, well, I, I just don't know why I do these things. She said, let me ask you a question. How's that working out for you, beating yourself up like that? <laughs> and I said, I, I guess not well. I don't know. And that moment I realized, okay, it's not working out well. So why don't I try a different approach and start speaking to myself in the same way I would speak to a small child or a person I love or a person I admire? And when I changed you know, that approach, wow, profound shift happened in how I loved myself and cared for myself. And when you begin to treat yourself like you're a person of value, the rest of the world will too. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and something that actually has been really powerful for me is uh, I found an Instagram video. I forget. I think it was on Mind Valley is kind of where I found it. But it was a video around this concept and it was spoken word, which was really beautiful. But it was around this concept of treating yourself like someone you love. And it's like, why would you change the way that you think or believe or, or encourage yourself? If you know the way that you treat other people, why wouldn't you just duplicate that for yourself? Like, what's the difference? What's the disconnect there? And I think that was something that was so powerful because it's so true. Like, we are our own most difficult critic and judge. And the reality is we're doing so much better than we give ourselves credit for. And like, we really are our own almost limiting belief or limiting factor and the second Absolutely. that we can step past that is amazing. So that's that's a beautiful well, also, point. You know, also think of it this way. We are teaching people how to treat us, right? Mm -hmm. And if you walk in late to every meeting, your hair is wet, your clothes are all wrinkled, and you're not caring for yourself the way that you need to be and you should be, people are going to treat you that way. They're going to treat you as the guy or the girl that just doesn't really, you know, warrant much. And I've learned that you might notice, hey, this one person treats me like crap, but treats everybody else so nice. I wonder why that is. Either that person's a villain or you're putting out this attitude that you're not worthy of being treated well. So you can change that in any moment by beginning to treat yourself with respect, treat yourself as if you're worth it, speak up when you feel that need and watch how that shift happens. Oh my gosh, it's unbelievably powerful. And, and I have a great example of this. On the outside, people thought I was very confident in corporate America. However, what I've learned having been fired is I was attributing my confidence to the wrong things. I would be in meetings and this woman would ignore me. She would not say hello to me. If I started to speak up, she would speak over me. I would allow it to go on. I was afraid of getting fired. Whatever the excuses, I allowed it to go on. One day I, I had had it. I was crying at home at night. I was grinding my teeth. I was just, I was a mess because it was wearing away at me this way this woman, I allowed this woman to treat me. And so I said, forget it. I'm going to get dressed up tomorrow. I'm going to write on the bottom of my shoes. I can, I will. I'm going to play this theme song that I have that I play every time I'm going into a tough situation. It just gets me in the right mindset. I'm going to sniff my lavender right before I walk in. I'm going to get centered. And when I walk in and she walks by me, I'm taking a different approach. So I walked in there looking like a million bucks. Everyone was saying, oh my gosh, Heather, you look amazing today. I was like, oh, thanks so much. You know, big smiles all the way around. Oh, really? Thank you. And I sat down there ready and clear on my mission. She walked right by me, did not say hello to me. And, and it's a very small, passive aggressive move. However, I was done with it. And I waved to her and I said, hi, good morning. You missed me. Uh, I, I, I don't know. You, I guess you didn't see me. I'm so happy to be here and happy to see you. So I wasn't mean, but I was making it known I would no longer be ignored. 
And that woman, what her face, wow, the profound impact I had on standing up for myself and not allowing myself to be mistreated. You could see it impacted her greatly. And I spoke up countless times in that meeting and she tried to talk over me and I didn't allow it. And, and I'll tell you, I taught that woman how I was going to be treated moving forward. Now, this is the same woman that fired me, you know, mm -hmm. not too long later. However, I started shifting the game and feeling so much better about myself, which led me to make better decisions moving forward. Right. Yeah. I, I definitely am going to touch on a little bit that kind of concept of fire villain and how this woman did play the role that inevitably has been really um, impactful for you and such a positive experience, everything that you've pulled out of it. Um, which, yeah, which we'll get to in a little bit. But I think it's so interesting kind of, again, going back to childhood messaging almost. Remember that phrase that we all hear, which is treat people the way that you want to be treated. It's like we need to flip that, you know, like treat yourself the way you treat other people. You know, as you mature, it's almost like you lose sight of that self-care and the focus um, just kind of has shifted. So I think that was really interesting. And that's so awesome that you're able to stand up for yourself and really demonstrate how you deserve to be treated and kind of take ownership of that within yourself. Um, I, I do want to bounce back to uh, one thing that you mentioned about your son is that gratitude practice that you do every single day. I think that is so cool. I mean, that's something that's totally changed my life is stepping into gratitude every single day, just because the rest of the world, it's just like, I, I couldn't be bothered when when I kind of think about some of the things that I have in my life and blessings. And I'm glad that you're instilling that within your son at such a young age, because that really is a pillar from which so much growth and other opportunity comes from on a personal development side. That It's really powerful. Um, but a second thing that I don't know if you do this with him or not, but something else that's a really cool practice is you play Kendrick Lamar's song, I Love Myself. Mm -hmm. Um, as kind of your theme song. And it's like that just totally goes into this self-care kind of mindset and like really prioritization. Can you just kind of quickly touch on what that song means to you and when you play it and kind of like what's the purpose? Well, first, I want to tell you how I learned to do this. My son taught me a few years ago. He broke his leg. He's a great basketball player and basketball is his life. And he was devastated. Picture being a little boy. I think he was nine years old. And he was just, it was his world. I mean, he crying. It was horrible. Anyways, we got home from the hospital. He went into his bedroom, got into his bed, hysterical crying that, you know, he was out for the season, had a broken leg. And I came back in a few minutes later just to check on him. And he's on his computer and he was playing Glorious, which is another song. Mm -hmm. And I said, what are you doing? It's an amazing song. And he said, oh, mom, I'm, I'm picking my theme song that I'm going to play when I come out my first day that I'm fully healed and taking the court. And I'm Attaboy. thinking about... I'm thinking about how I'm going to feel and what it's going to look like when I walk out there like a beast and I'm playing glorious when I walk out on the court. So already here he was the same day he got injured, found out he's out for the season. In his mind, he was already playing what it was going to feel like it looked like and be like the day that he took the court. And he was attaching music to it to really elicit that emotion. So what I learned from him is you know, let's, if we're in a tough time, we know it's only temporary. Let's get our mind around what it's going to feel like, be like when we're back to our best. And so I started doing that with, I chose a different song. I chose Kendrick Lamar. I love myself. And I love this song so much. I actually made it the intro to my weekly podcast because this song is anytime and I sometimes do it just when I'm working out, but I have a very set playlist that I use whenever I'm taking a big stage, anything that I could be really nervous for. So back in corporate America, it was when I had these, you know, face-offs with these this woman 
But now I do it for when I'm going to a big event or I was interviewing Sarah Blakely and Jesse Itzler live on stage in Boston a couple months ago. And I was getting nervous right before I took the stage because she's a billionaire. Mm -hmm. And I started thinking, okay, am I really qualified to interview a billionaire, you know, on a stage? I, I got a little freaked out right before and I just, I flipped that playlist on. And what happens when I do that is it reminds me of every other time I flip that playlist on. And it's so powerful to me because in literally in one minute's time, my entire demeanor changes. It's this routine that I do. And if you do something like this, and I really encourage you to do it because this freaking works. I could turn on Glorious right now and my son will stand up so tall because <laughs> that's now his song, right? He, You've trained yourself. And, and I promise you, if you do it consistently, it works. Because now I've been doing it for two years or a little over two years, actually, because I started this before I got fired. When that playlist hits, I take that power from every single incident that I've used it for. They become this, you know, it's a culmination of experiences and power that I know I faced off against that lady those last few times and I'm stronger for it. I didn't die. I came out. Okay. Every time I got nervous to take that stage, I interviewed Sarah Blakely. I killed it. She thanked me after and said it was the most amazing interview. So all those feedback and those moments and stages I took and it went okay or it went amazing, you know, that all, ignites within me. The minute I hear that music, it is like I'm unstoppable. And I know just like all these other instances, I survived. And most times I thrived. This is going to be no different. That, yeah. And what happens is you've primed yourself, you know, because you have so many data points now, they're just accruing that you prime yourself to just default to believing a certain thing. And once you kind of can use that power and leverage it, then of course, you're going to just absolutely kill it. So that's awesome that you've been able to build that up over so much time to get to the point where you're at today, where just like you can literally turn it on. That's such a really powerful tool to have. Thank God for it. Oh my, I'm so glad I have that in my arsenal. Totally. Um, and then, yeah, so that story that you mentioned about your son and Gloria. So that was one of the stories that I was referencing. And I was like, man, your son has an awesome mindset. So I just want to congratulate you because I'm sure you're not giving yourself enough credit, but for the work that you're doing with him and some of these stories you're telling about him is just, it's very impressive what you're doing as a single mother. So congratulations, he's an incredible person. Um, but I want to now talk about you because you are the subject and the star of today. And something that I love exploring on the podcast is the beautiful transformation people undergo in their lives to step into a place of more confidence and more purpose, which is exactly you and exactly what you did. You know, you were in corporate America, 20 years, CRO, big company, like you said, kind of maybe finding success in the wrong areas, you know, so there was this, this transition from, okay. I am optically or externally successful. And then let me have that reality check. What does that actually mean to me? Okay, big life shift. Now I kind of find myself in this place. Um, I just kind of want to talk about that process and kind of first talk about at the end of that process when you had been fired and kind of looking to grab onto something, whatever was going to be next for you, that you chose to take a chance on yourself and bet on yourself. So first, can you can you talk about kind of what inspired you to do that and how you made that possible? Yeah, well, I mean, this is kind of funny. So when I got fired, I had the opportunity to sign a document that if I had signed it, I would never be able to speak about my experience at the company over the last 14 years. And I, it's really a gag clause, but you get a check, you know, so that that is kind of that bridge for you until you figure out what you want to do. And this woman definitely thought I was going to go for the check because she knows I've been driven entirely by money the whole time I worked there. Hmm. 
And luckily, you know, for the first time I chose myself in that meeting and I did not sign that document shocked her. She had an attorney come after me for a long time after trying to get me to sign it. And I didn't. And so what I did was I empowered myself to tell my own story at that time, which I just, I I can't even believe I did it. However, I didn't know what I was going to do when I walked out of there that day. You know, I I was hysterical. I was a disaster, but I had signed a non-compete, non-solicitation when I took the CRO position years prior. And what that means is for one year, I could not go back to the industry that I had built up massive success in. I couldn't go back to media or anything related to media, TV, radio, any type of um, digital media. I couldn't, I could, I was legally bound not to go to that industry. That was an agreement that I made and signed with them to protect the company in case I ever left. So I knew I had one year that I had to be on the beach per se, right? What was I going to do? So when I got home from that meeting, I sat on my couch thinking, okay, I can't go back to what I know. I can't go to the industry that I've built massive success in that I have a massive network in. What am I going to do now? And I realized I was going to have to start over as a rookie at least for one year, you know, until I could go back to that industry, which I did think I was going to do at that time. I thought, okay, I've got one year. I've got to be a rookie somewhere. Where do I want to go and be a rookie? And I thought long and hard about it. And over time, and I want everyone to know, none of this stuff happened that like first 24 hours. Heck no, I wish mm-hmm. it did. There was no clarity like that. It took a really long time actually, but it it happened through taking action, taking steps. I started figuring out, you know, piece by piece what to do, but I inevitably decided, all right, if I'm going to go be a rookie somewhere, I'm going to roll the dice on me and I'm going to be a rookie working as an entrepreneur for me. And again, that was a dark space. I had never been an entrepreneur and never thought I was going to be an entrepreneur. I thought I lived in the corporate America lane and, you know, I thrived in that business and, and I couldn't go back to that one that one area I knew. So I thought, all right, I could go to corporate America in, a total, in aviation or, you know, in a completely different industry. Or I could go to work and be a rookie for me. And and that's what I ended up leaping and, and took a chance on. And so, so awesome that you did because now everyone's benefiting from your beautiful message. I mean, and what's so interesting, I didn't realize in that kind of two document decision you're making that one of them was a gag clause where this entire, your entire brand would have been just stifled and completely handcuffed had you signed that document because you wouldn't even be able to speak to it, you know? So it's like the initial financial capability of that, just so interesting, was that, oh, I'm going to make more money by signing this document. But all of the business that's come behind it is probably way more in comparison to that one moment. So just like really trusting your instinct to commit to yourself and stand up for yourself has proven not only beneficial for yourself, but also for your finances. And that's, that's just really powerful. I didn't realize that was this specific instance there. Yeah, but people need to understand, I didn't know any of that that day. Right. All I knew was I was done being bullied by this woman mm-hmm. and I was standing up for myself. It was the scariest thing I had ever <laughs> dealt with at work or financially. You know, it was just people need to know it wasn't like I had some master plan and I knew that I was going to be a public speaker and get paid 20 grand a speech and I would be making more money, you know, two years later. I had I didn't know I'd write a book. I didn't know <laughs> any of this stuff. I just knew I was done with this lady treating me like trash. Right. Well, and that's a good point is that you don't have the clarity of where it's all going to lead. I actually have a TEDx myself called Do It For The Story, which is the same thing. You put yourself in uncomfortable situations, just really put yourself out there without knowing what's going to happen and kind of let the universe transpire and create opportunities for you. And you've kind of benefited from that a little bit, but it's all about taking action and choosing to do it for the story. So there's there's kind of a thread of that within your story here. 
Um, but but something that is really cool that I think will really resonate, something that's important to highlight is that since you chose to reinvent yourself, you realized how easily anyone can rebrand themselves, you know, because they, everyone labeled you as this, you know, media company CRO, like really tied you to that role. And then you've spoken about how quickly people forgot and have moved on to your new personal brand. It's just like, it's really a solid point about how reinventing yourself sounds like a bigger thing than it is and that people actually forget and it's very possible. And it's kind of the thing that I like to highlight on this podcast because a lot of people are trying to step into a new space and they need that motivation or that reason why. And you are living proof that people can start today and be taken seriously and do something new. Would you agree? Well, let, let me let me tell you, it's actually frustrating. I worked so hard in corporate America for two decades to build up this massive success, credibility, expertise as a sales leader and innovator in, in corporate America. Now, here's the frustrating part. It's so easy to reinvent yourself. I meet people. They have no idea my background. All they ever think I am is a speaker and an author. <laughs> and so it, when my TEDx talk came out, I referenced my past history. And I've had so many people online message me, oh my gosh, I didn't know you were in corporate America. And it, what the point is and the takeaway for everyone, it, you can literally wipe out what you did yesterday when you start over new so strong <laughs> and jump into it 100%. So that part kind of annoys me a little bit. Yeah, anyone can reinvent themselves in a moment. What you have to decide is this, and this was the decision I made two years ago, which is, I am no longer going to allow myself and my uniqueness, my talents to be put in a lane. I had allowed myself to be put in this sales lane, this leadership lane, this corporate America lane. And I too, you know, I was told, Heather, don't get out of that lane. That's what you're good at. Everyone said that to me when I left and said, oh, I think I'm going to go to be an entrepreneur. People said, no, 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 don't do that. You make so much money. That's so risky. And again, I question myself too, but inevitably what I learned, and it didn't happen overnight, so if you're in this situation, trust me on this, I have experience, I decided to blow up all the lanes and say, I am going to take the unique skills that Heather Monahan has and apply them to being an author, a speaker, a course innovator, uh, you know, a, a podcast host, whatever I want to do. I'm no longer going to live in lanes. I will live lanelessly. And what I've realized now at 45 is I wish I had been doing that forever because I was allowing myself to be stuck in this one little box and not pick my head up to say, okay, I've been doing this for a while. I'm great at it. I'm going to jump over here and try this now too. And life is so much more interesting and exciting when you start living without lanes. And, and I want that for everybody. Yeah, that's so good. I mean, that's that's exactly Cal Newport's book, So Good They Can't Ignore You, which is like you have your own skill set and your own way to apply it. Just make sure you find that, that kind of like that best fit and like really commit to it. And what happened is you were able to commit to yourself and do something that's been, you know, perfectly suited for your skill set and everything. And obviously the growth that's come from that is just all a result of it being a great fit. So that's that's awesome to see and an awesome example. Uh, I think it's so funny how we can reinvent ourselves so quickly. It reminds me of high school, you know, when everyone cares so much, like, being the cool kid and smoking a cigarette and, you know, like doing this stuff in high school that like really doesn't matter. And then you step out in college, like two years later, four years later, now, you know, 10 years later and like high school really didn't matter. And it sounds like there's some parallels there to your career. Just being like, oh, you did this for a while and then you move on and people kind of forget, you know, you become a new person. It's just, it's funny how that's a, a human instinct that we have. Um, Absolutely. I, I want to back up and kind of just reflect on this whole transformation because you were, you know, corporate Heather Monahan, and now you are keynote personal brand 
and I would say amazing Heather Monahan. Um, what what do you think when you look when you look back at who you used to be, which was kind of this, you know, chasing the wrong things, maybe overcompensating for your lack of confidence in certain areas, you know, that person. When you look back at that and see yourself today, what kind of like really stands out to you as like a as a as a takeaway, being like, man, I'm I'm glad this happened, or you know, kind of like, what does that all mean to you? That whole transformation. Hmm. I, I hate to say I'm glad because it was so hard, and I, and I don't think people understand how hard it was as a single mom to lose my job, lose my paycheck. It, it, it the bounce back did not happen overnight. It's been a long process, and even I'll tell you, yesterday, here I am, two years later. Yesterday, I got an email from my agent that I almost started crying. It's like, it's so success doesn't happen in an instant. First of all, for me, landing an agent took a year and a half to, you know, to get that, that accomplished. And then for the past few months, I haven't been happy with the business I've been getting from them. And yesterday I got a huge event for 2020 that just set me in tears because I realized this is everything I'm working towards. It doesn't happen overnight. Success builds slowly and I have zero patience. So if you're out there saying, I've been working so hard at something and it's not working, don't give up because 99% of the population gives up and that's why they don't reach massive success. It has been a really hard journey for me the past two years, even though on the outside, everyone thinks it's so great and, you know, wow, your book Trump Trump for number one on Amazon business motivation list. Great. Well, that doesn't mean I sold a million books and I'm living you know, the lap of luxury. No, it means I'm out hustling every day and promoting my book and doing speeches. And I started speaking for free. And at first income wasn't coming in. You know, So people have to understand that this evolution has been a massive grind and letting go of what I used to feel was that safety of corporate America. I thought I was safe. I thought I had this guaranteed paycheck and not going back and going to another industry and, and doing what I knew and jumping in that same lane again. That was really hard. And for a long time, I would have one foot on one side saying, okay, I'm an entrepreneur and I'm writing a book and I'm speaking and I'm doing this and I'm going to create more revenue this way. But I keep that other door open and say, but if I don't start seeing money fast enough, I'm going to jump right back in and I'll go to another industry. And I, I'm really good at leading sales teams. So I went back and forth for a long time and I don't want people to lose sight of that. I didn't really start taking off in my mind until I closed that door. And I'll never forget, it wasn't this Labor Day, it was last Labor Day. So a little over a year ago, a year and a couple of months, I, w I was sitting with some friends and my friend's husband's very successful. He's older than me. He's an entrepreneur. He's been in the game a lot longer than I have. And it's really important to surround yourself with people light years ahead of you. And I was saying to him, I don't know, maybe I should go back to corporate America. And he said, stop. Here's what you need to do. You need to go bigger, double down on everything. He said, stop telling me you're going to promote your book in the Miami Herald. Start promoting it on Fox National News. He said, stop telling me that you're going to get your book into Barnes and Noble and Coral Gables and go to Sam's Club and get it into the US. He, he, the way he was thinking was so much larger than I had been thinking. And when I listened to him, I really appreciate what he was saying. He was saying, close the door on the past and go all in now. Otherwise, you're not going to make it. And I left him that day, really fired up and committed to going bigger. I did not have my son that night. My ex-husband had him. I came home. I was sitting on the couch, you know, trying to put a plan together. And I said, you know, what? I'm going to turn Netflix on. I put Netflix on and the movie The Secret was served up to me. <laughs> I had never seen it. 
And so in, when I was in corporate America, I would never have watched something like that. I didn't believe in things like that. I thought people like that were on drugs or hippies or whatever. And I watched the movie, The Secret. I took notes through the entire movie. And the next day I woke up and I implemented a completely new game plan. Mind you, this is a little over one year ago. And I decided I'm closing the door on corporate America for now. I'm not going to, you know, again, who knows? Maybe I'll go run IBM in a few years. I don't know. But for right now, I knew I'm doubling down on the entrepreneur business, on what I'm doing, and I'm not looking back anymore. And I started manifesting a future that I was going to create and it was going to work. And I started believing it was already happening and I started speaking it into the universe and I started telling everybody about it and I could feel how excited I, that shift was massive for me. So that time, Labor Day of last, not last year, the year before, that really, that was 2018. That's really when, I don't know, things started changing for me for the better that that set me up for this great year in 2019, which is now catapulting me to, to 2020. Amazing. Yeah, it's exact same for me. Just kind of, it's almost the way that I like articulating is kind of surrender to this kind of this power that is able to bring opportunity. You know, if you talk about the law of attraction, that's what you're referring to is the law of attraction through the secret. Uh, the book is by Rhonda Byrne. Um, so yeah, no, I've, I've, that's been so powerful in my life. I'm glad that you've benefited from it and how that's kind of been the the acceleration of your career is kind of like buying into that concept of like really. Um, stepping into your own unique potential and committing to it, you know, like that's been so big. It's committing to it. And actually, um, something that we talked about on the podcast uh, with David Meltzer, who's you know, that's a conversation I'm really proud of. Uh, he has this theory. It's called the law of acceleration and exponential growth, which essentially is if you talk about the different areas of career success or um, business development, basically that there are people within different tiers that 99% quit and 1% persist. And essentially, if you continue to be that 1% that persists, then your success will accelerate and accelerate. And you're actually closer to your destination than you think, because it's going to take you less time to travel more ground. So it's, that's a kind of like a very powerful thought that comes back to your point of not giving up and like really betting on yourself. Um, and then also congratulations on that speaking engagement. That's huge that you have that breakthrough. You know, that just goes to show persistence and consistency, also David Meltzer principles, um, are real and at play. And uh, you just got to have faith in yourself and take a bet on yourself. Yeah, but the, here, here's the problem. That was – so I, I'm referencing something my agent did. And I, I've been believing in myself. But there are – there's going to come a time you also need to believe in others, right? Because you can't – and this is fact – I can't scale my speaking business big enough because I don't have all the contacts of all the biggest paying companies that hire speakers. I have all the contacts of the media business, which is a completely different pool. I needed to identify the fastest way for me to grow in this new industry, new business was to latch on to someone who has all those contacts, get them to trust me and respect me as a speaker and know that they believe in me and then have them be my advocate. So this was one of those instances where, yeah, I believe in my, I'm definitely one of the best US female speakers there are, hands down. I'm confident in saying that. However, if I wasn't able to connect to someone who has all the contacts in that world and have them believe as strongly in me, I was going to be flailing around for a lot longer. So sometimes it's not just about believing in you, but getting others in the right place to believe in you. And that has been challenging and difficult for me because that goes back to being a rookie. You have to build credibility. You have to get someone to show up at one of your events. You have to get someone to start advocating for you. 
And that took, that's where I was getting a point of frustration. So Yes, continually believe in you, but also if you want to move really fast, get someone who's really connected in the area you want to be in to believe in you. And then if they believe in you, you're going to blow up. And that's what made me so excited about that email was this mm -hmm. person's really believing in me. If they, if they got me that deal, I can't imagine what's coming next. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's a good compliment to all the work that you're doing on your own is to believe in other people because the work that you do and kind of the aura that you give off, it attracts certain people into your life. And if they're going to be high quality and providing these opportunities for you, then you're going to benefit from it. So there is this kind of surrendering also to the other people that have invited themselves or presented themselves in your life, but all may be brought about by the actions that you did within the law of attraction, which wow, comes full circle, all starts with confidence in the energy that you give off and the way that people can really align and and be um, just as big of an advocate for your work as you are for yourself. Well, let me interject there because you said <laughs> they were invited into my life. That's interesting. No, I stalk these people, right? So success doesn't show up on my doorstep. And I just use the speaking business because I'm so new to it. I've only been doing this now for a year. I didn't understand people got paid massive amounts of money. I mean, literally $150,000, $200,000 for a 60-minute speech. So realizing companies had those budgets, and then I knew I needed to find those companies. I knew I needed to find the people that had these rosters of companies and knew the people. It's it just, that's how you can leapfrog and get there quickly. I want your listeners to know I didn't sit around meditating and saying, you know what, the secret, I, this is, I'm bringing this into my life. It wasn't like that. Yeah, I want to put that out to the universe, but then I'm going to hustle like nobody else, follow up like a stalker and <laughs> showcase why I'm going to bring value to people. And when you do that, you get people's attention. Beautiful, beautiful, cool. No, thank you for clarifying. That's a super important point. Awesome. All right, last thing that we are going to touch on and just briefly um, is your recent TEDx, which is fantastic. Congratulations. Thank you on that huge accomplishment. And so the talk to is you. titled- and congrats to you with yours. Oh, totally, totally different in scope, but thank you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the talk is titled Me Too's Misstep or Mistake or, you know, variations of that depending on where, um, where you're looking. But essentially it's about what has been an underlining theme of this conversation is how women don't always get along in the workplace. And you've talked about <laughs> firing your villain and how that's played a huge role in everything that's transpired. Um, and I guess I would love to tap into that concept a little bit more of, and, and it's referenced in the TEDx, um, but that concept of the people that you surround yourself with are extremely influential in kind of the opportunity that you have around you. Uh, you mind just kind of quickly touching on that? Yeah, I mean the TEDx to me this this was the scariest thing that I've done this year. You know this. It's so incredibly restrictive. People were saying to me, "Heather, you're going to kill it because you speak so much and this is your wheelhouse." No, this is not like giving a regular speech. I only had 10 minutes to convey an idea, pull the audience in, you know, give them a call to action, something so that they can implement change within their life and, and represent an idea that somebody else hasn't brought to the table. And I took a big risk in that I chose and I've been, you know, I knew the haters were going to come and they definitely came, but you know, I chose to say we need to expand the Me Too movement beyond just saying men harass women. No, 
the biggest harasser a woman's ever going to face is another woman. And I, I wanted to shine a light on women on women bullying in the workplace and what you can do about it. More importantly, that you don't need to be a victim. And I lay out a five-step plan that anyone can implement in their life so that they can stand up to bullies, they can fire their villains, and they can set themselves up to take off. And I actually tell a very personal story that I had never shared before. I never got into the details of what actually happened the day that I got fired. And I didn't do that for a long time because I was still very emotional about it. You know, I would cry. It, it really hurt me. And at first I associated a lot of shame with being fired. I no longer do. I flipped the script on that. I'm actually, I see it as being in good company. Uh, but, you know, the the whole, I really wanted to put myself out there at another level, which I did. And taking the stage that day, I got to tell you, it was the scariest thing that I did in the past year. And I'm so, <laughs> so proud of myself for doing it. And I bet you listened to Kendrick Lamar's song right before you went on. Oh, no, you have no. I, the, the venue that I, I spoke at is two and a half hours from where I live in Miami. That morning, I listened to my – I have a whole playlist. It's not just – it. Kendrick Lamar's one of the songs, but there's actually five on there. And I listened to it on repeat the entire way to the walkthrough. Then I left there to go get ready at the hotel. I listened to it the entire way there and back. And then literally I had my earbuds in in the green room well they didn't have a green room but backstage right before up until you know a moment before i was going to go on <laughs> amazing yeah and well and and kind of going back thank you thank you for sharing and for being so vulnerable because it's it's just so powerful when that is pulled out of someone who you know can really speak to something that is unique and so relatable because we all have our own insecurities and issues and these personal stories that it's just kind of uh, the way that Gary Vee puts it actually is like the eight mile rule is once you disclose your deepest, darkest secrets or the things that you feel most insecure about or that are most personal, you realize that everyone else has their own issues that they're dealing with, but there's value built into that story. So sharing it is almost, um, or I guess not sharing it is a disservice because people can really relate to it. Um, and then last, last thing in the TEDx, which was a really powerful part of it. I, I love this part was the story that you told about outrunning an angry dog <laughs> um, and, and to show dominance. Yeah, everyone keeps asking me if that, they keep saying, is that true? That is 100% true, that story. And I had dated a police officer in my early 20s. I didn't include that part in the TED Talk, but he, so he was very concerned about me. I would always run alone very early in the morning before work or late at night alone after work. And he was really worried about me. And so he had let me know that, you know, there's a chance a dog could come for you one day. And, and he taught me how to handle an angry dog. And I, I swear to God, it, it, and someone could call this guy now, he's married to somebody else. But, you know, it was just a couple of weeks later, I the exact thing that he was afraid of happening to me happened. And because he taught me how to handle it, I would have never known you can't outrun an angry dog because I was a really fast runner back then. I would have thought just run super fast and you can't outrun an angry dog. So that was an, an amazing experience. And yeah, I was so glad I got to incorporate that into the TED Talk. Yeah, awesome. And the quick version of it is that instead of outrunning an angry dog, you turn around, you show dominance and you run right at them. And you just like, it's all about, you know, exuding confidence and kind of yeah, putting yourself in a position where you're going to um, communicate what's required in the situation. That's awesome. Heather, where can people learn more about everything that you have going on? Your 
your book, your podcast, how, I mean, I'll, I'll link to the TEDx, but kind of what is Heather Monahan up to these days that uh, people can support? Yeah, I'm definitely promoting my TEDx talk. I I posted on LinkedIn so far. That was two days ago. It has 700,000 views and I think 700 comments. It started a really big conversation around bullying in the workplace, which I'm so proud of because if we shine a light on it, we're going to end it. So please give me 10 minutes. Watch my TED Talk. I promise you it is going to open up a conversation where you can help other people and, and please share it. Um, you can find me at heathermonahan.com. I'm on all social media at Heather Monahan. And my book is Confidence Creator. You can get it on Amazon, on Audible. And my podcast, my weekly podcast is called Creating Confidence with Heather Monahan. And I'd love for you to check it out. Yeah. And you've done a fantastic job growing that from the ground up. You've had amazing guests. So that's something I highly suggest people check out. I'll have that linked as well as your TEDx, which is a must view. So everyone, first thing you're doing right now, go and checking out that video. So amazing. Heather, we've talked about a lot today um, and you are misconfident. So it's probably going to be around that theme, but I like kind of ending with one takeaway that kind of either synthesizes the whole conversation or is one thing that should be highlighted and kind of taken out and really thought upon. Um, what is kind of the one thing that you'd like to speak to and share and make sure really lands about uh, your message and this conversation? Well, around this conversation, because we did talk a lot about the TED Talk, I want people to know this. I did not know when I took that red circle if I was going to bomb or choke or if it was going to go okay. I swear to you, I didn't know. I was petrified. But right before I walked out, I closed my eyes because I was freaking out. And I said to myself, Heather, if you don't go out there right now, you will never forgive yourself. Hmm. However, if you go out there right now and you choke, I am going to be so proud of you. And I completely removed the pressure from myself. And I want this for everyone. Put yourself in those scary situations because when you roll the dice on you, it doesn't matter what the outcome is. It doesn't matter if you kill it on the TED Talk or not. It's about taking the action and believing in you and moving forward regardless of the fear because fear is a green light that means go. So stretch yourself today. Take action to move into your fear. Take the pressure off and you're going to be blown away at what happens. Heather Monahan, incredible. I can't wait for people to experience everything that you're about and to be able to step into all of this that you're referencing and discover it for themselves. Thank you so much. There you have it. She said it in the podcast and I believe it. She has to be one of the best female keynote speakers in the world. And the reason her message lands so pure is because Heather Monahan is not so different than you and me. Life happened. She was chewed up and spit out by corporate America, and she chose to respond by betting on herself and building something within her control. In this process, she discovered confidence, she embodied it, and she's now sharing it on the world's largest stages. Like I mentioned, her TEDx talk is live and it's linked in the description of this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please show me your support by subscribing, rating the podcast, and writing a thoughtful review. That's it for today. Thanks so much for listening. I will see you next time on Self-Improvement Daily.